Why don't we go ahead and start? I'm gonna, I want to start with my testimony, okay? Um, I know that a lot of you here know that um, God delivered me from mental illness. Some of you know that. Maybe some of you don't. Uh, I was delivered um, with, I'll, I'll say the diagnosis for those that are studying medicine or those that know doctors or there's a doctor watching. I was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and manic depressive disorder. There was a lot of disorders. I had, I, I had the combo, you know. So um, the most respected doctors at that time told my mother, leave him in a mental hospital. So it was bad. Um, basically, I did some drugs I shouldn't have done, and I stayed in that trip. So I stayed on a bad acid trip for anybody that knows what that is. And um, I lost my mind. There was no way out. There was no cure. Uh, I had to accept that as a teenager that I was going to be mentally ill the rest of my life because unlike some of you, I didn't have the blessing of being raised in a Christian household. So I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, my father was supposedly a Catholic, but he lived a criminal lifestyle, um, you know, which wasn't an, obviously an example of, of, of the word. But uh, my mother was agnostic. My mother was a uh, an intellectual so you know I used to mock the Bible I used to make fun of the Bible I like I like explaining these things because there's a lot of people obviously we know out there a lot of people in the world and maybe even some of you that are in school right now you're going to be exposed to people mocking Jesus mocking the Bible mocking the things of God I want to let you know that that even at, before I continue that the Bible says God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise so since God is smarter than the most intelligent man on earth, he made sure that his things would seem foolish to an intellectual. And that's all part of the plan. So if they don't think it's foolish, then that's not biblical. So because you're only going to know this is the truth by revelation. So I was one of those that thought this was ridiculous. I, I didn't believe in the Bible. I used, to, I used to make fun of the Bible. I used to make fun of Christians. I like to tell people that I don't believe the Bible because I accepted anything I believe the Bible because I very confidently absolutely doubted everything what am I saying everything that I have learned happened to me everything that I believe it's because it happened to me directly in my life so I didn't believe in the Bible and I was mentally ill I was on a lot of medication um, and I hated my life I was very depressed I wanted to die. I didn't, I didn't see the purpose because obviously when you don't know your creator, you don't know why you were created. So I didn't see the purpose of, of, of living and I hated my life and I, and I saw no way out. Right, And maybe there's some of you here that that's the way you've been feeling or some that have been watching. You feel like there's no way out. There's no escape. You're stuck. I felt that I was trapped in an invisible prison. I felt stuck in my own emotions. I felt like nobody was real that there was no real love i felt like like i like the rest of my life was going to be a life of depression and sadness so i didn't i didn't want to live but then but but then god came into my life and i had an encounter with god and i'm making a long story short because there's a lot of details in the story god came to me with power and with signs and wonders god came to me in such a ridiculous way it was personal it was powerful and there was no way that i could possibly deny it because the experiences that i had with the presence of god were more powerful than the experiences that i had on the many drugs that i had done so i'm not talking to you about blind faith i'm not talking 
talking to you about accepting anything because somebody said it or a convincing persuasive preaching. I'm talking to you about experiences that are undeniable. When God came into my life, I began to have experiences so deep that that so deep and so personal that to this day I can never understand how somebody will come to this to this church or any church that has the Holy Spirit, go back to the world and start to say I doubted my experiences. God forgive me, but I can't relate to those people because my experiences were more real than the things I could touch and feel. God made himself tangible. He made himself so real that, that there's no way it could have been a figment of my imagination. It wasn't a, tuckle, a touch or a tingle. It wasn't a little tickle. It wasn't, it wasn't oh, I felt that. Did you feel that? No, it wasn't none of that. No, it was, it went into the, the, the core of who I was. It dealt with me. It dealt in one moment, in one moment, God blew it, brought me back to when I was five, when I was six, when I was ten, spoke to me about where I was then, and also spoke to me about my future. See, if you have never experienced this, what I'm talking about and describing to you, you have only had religion, and maybe you have faith, and you believe in God, but by experience, all you know is religion. And religion will never fill you. And you can clap and scream in church, but you will never leave something that you can feel and makes you feel good for something you can't. You didn't hear what I said there. Because some of you, since you don't feel the presence of God, you come here and you play church. The God that I'm preaching about is a God that I feel, I touch, I hear, I have intimacy with. Maybe you say, well, how do you know? Well, if I don't know, then I don't know anything at all, including myself. So you have to have an encounter with that God. He began to give me signs and wonders. I mean, it was ridiculous. Things that made absolutely no sense. And one day, I remember I came home. I was sitting in, in, in my room by myself. I wasn't watching TV. I wasn't doing anything. Nobody was with me. And I felt joy, just joy that made no sense. Joy that made absolutely no sense. There was no logical reason. I wasn't there with a friend. There was nothing. There was no reason for me to have that joy. And ever since then, I have never lost that. I have gotten persecuted. I have gone through trials and tribulation. I have gone through rejection from people. Listen, I'm being real with you here. I've gone through rejection from people. I have gone, I have gone through all kinds of things that you can imagine while being Christian. But I have never felt that emptiness and that feeling of desperation, that feeling of despair ever again. When you have an encounter with the truth, you have an encounter with the answer. Once you have the answer, you'll never be confused again. If you're confused, you haven't had an experience with the living God. I'm going to move on. So it's interesting that the thing I mocked, I used to compare the Bible to Greek mythology. What I once mocked and what I once made fun of happened to me on such profound, deep levels that there just was no way. That's why I know all scripture is from God. Oh no, but you just want to believe that. <laughs> Listen, my family were santeros. I saw the dark side too. No pun with Star Wars. I saw the dark side. I saw the evil. I seen supernatural things that aren't from God as well. 
everything I'm preaching to you, I've lived. Moving on. Depression is due to spiritual death or separation from God and low self-esteem. The worst kind of depression is the depression that I used to go through before I was saved, before I, come to, I came to know God, which is the depression that you feel where you feel this desperation. You feel this hopelessness, this despair. How many people know that the worst pain is not physical pain, it's emotional pain? Yeah, Jesus' worst moment on the cross wasn't when they, when they pulled his flesh out of him. It's when the father turned his face from him. The worst pain is not the physical pain because you could deal with the physical pain and, 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 and move on. The worst pain is emotional. So when, when, when that's the worst kind of depression, when you are not saved. Why? Because man is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. So even though you have a soul and even though you have a body, your spirit is disconnected from, from the Father. Your spirit is dead. So that's why you'll feel this emptiness, this loneliness. You'll be, you'll be in a room full of people but feel lonely and feel empty inside and feel like, like, like a sense of, of, of worthlessness or just a sense of just no satisfaction. Like no matter what you do, there's no satisfaction. Why? You will never be satisfied if you are not doing the thing that you were created to do. You're not hearing what I'm saying. It's like, it's, like, it's like a bird learning to run really fast. It'll never feel satisfied until it finally spreads its wings and flies. You're, you're never going to be satisfied. No girl, no guy, no relationship. That's what I used to think before I had an encounter in the presence of God. And listen, I used to think that and feel that way. And that's the way a lot of young people think, even in church. I would say half of you here probably. You think that one day you're going to meet the right person and they're going to make you happy. Let me tell you, if you're, if you're waiting for a person to complete you, you're headed for problems. Because they have problems just like you do. I thought that I'd find the right person and then, and then I'll, feel, I'll feel complete, but I never did. The more I dated, the more empty inside I felt. So separation from God. Low self-esteem. When you don't know who you are, when you don't know your purpose... When you don't know your creator, you're always going to have low self-esteem. When you don't understand that you're not supposed to be comparable to other people, you're supposed to be different from other people. God didn't, it's like you're comparing yourself to other people. You're comparing yourself to other guys and what they're able to do and their athletic gifts and their gifts in this and their gifts in that and these girls that are pretty like this and they're pretty like that, but you don't understand. You need a revelation of your personal greatness. You need a revelation. You need a revelation of, of see, everybody has personal greatness. Someone say personal greatness. When your greatness gets anointed, I'll never be able to compete with it. You didn't hear what I just said right now. Once your greatness gets anointed, I'll never be able to compete with it. Because, because my greatness is not your greatness and your greatness is not my greatness. And what you can do under the anointing, no one can do quite like you can do under the anointing. And you're comparing yourself to other people and, and Satan is just tormenting you. Because that's how he started, comparing himself to God. Suicide. Suicide is when someone has suffered and feels there is no point in living. It's not worth it. It's a permanent response to a temporary problem. 
okay? It's a permanent response to a temporary problem. I, was su I had suicidal thoughts. Why didn't I commit suicide? This is kind of funny too, but it's real. I thought about it and I was like, just in case there's a hell, it's a whole lot worse than this. Whatever I'm going through, at least I'm not burning. Chill, chill. I'm going to go crazy, but not that crazy. I'm not going to go that crazy. Wake up, I'm in hell, I can't get out. There, let me tell you something. Whatever you're going through, no matter how painful, no matter how difficult, no matter how tormenting or torturous you think it is, it is nothing compared to hell. It is not worth, it is not worth a permanent response. Furthermore, furthermore, if you could see the way God sees, you would realize that the suffering that you're going through is nothing but a moment and it's nothing but an ingredient for your power. See, suffering in the kingdom becomes power. So, 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 so that that you're going through, what you don't realize is one day you're going to look back and that's going to be part of your anointing. It's going to be part of your message. It's going to be part of your influence. And the enemy, the enemy wants you out of his way because he knows that you are a problem. Suicide is never, ever the answer. That's what people say when they're suicidal. No, that's not it's not worth it. I remember when I had those thoughts, that's what I would think. Man, what's the point of all of this? Why? Basically, what your spirit is saying, you need to know your purpose. Basically, you're saying, is there a purpose? And the answer is yes. And if you knew your purpose, you wouldn't care about the suffering because you would understand that all it is is part of your way to your purpose. So the suffering wouldn't even be an issue anymore. In fact, Apostle Paul said, I boast of my suffering. Because he understood, the more I suffer, the more powerful I am. You could cry and run from the pain, but you're also running from the power. That's why sometimes God puts you in situations you can't run from. Moving on. Psalms 27, 13 to 14. Can uh, that person, that's, oh, that's fast. I'll read it from there. I like that better. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Go to 14, both. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Someone say, wait. wait. The best is yet to come. You do not want to exit earth yet. You don't want to give up yet. You haven't seen God put the power on your suffering yet. You haven't seen how you sound under the anointing yet. You haven't realized how your personality is a weapon. You haven't realized that even the year you were born and the city you were born in, you, you haven't discovered the specific power in the specifics of your birth and your creation. Listen, wait, I say, on the Lord. Go back to 13. I would have lost heart unless I believed. Which is why the word of God also says, he who comes to God must, someone say must. must. 
believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Because if you stop believing that there is a reward for your suffering, all you can see is your suffering. See, the Jews that were in the desert, they didn't see the promised land anymore. All they could see was the desert. And a human body is not designed to live in a desert. It's burning hot during the day. It's freezing cold at night. There's no food. There's no river. The human body. So when you see yourself in a perpetual, continuous desert, you're going to say, I want out. But see, but see, but see, he, he said, I would have lost heart, would have. He didn't because he knew that the goodness of God was going to manifest. He knew that there was a point, hello, where he had to reap what he sowed, where he had to see the harvest for his prayers. There was a point. See, the enemy wants to get you in the middle. You think, no, no. He didn't attack the Jews when they were getting freed from Egypt because, because the suffering of Egypt was still fresh. They wanted out of Egypt. No, no, no. He got them in the desert where, where it's the place that God molds you. It's the, it's the place that God prepares you. It's the place where God, he, he, he's preparing you to seek him by yourself. There's no crowds. There's no, there's no glory. There's no, there's no fruit. There's no fruit in the desert. Fruit doesn't grow in the desert. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so there's no fruit. There's no garden. There's no, there's no farm. There's no crops. There's no harvest. So why? So what does it mean? So it's the place where you can't focus on the work. You have to focus on the God of the harvest. You have to focus on the God that delivers. You have to, it's the place where God is saying, instead of looking at yourself, instead of looking at the desert, look at me. That's why I brought you here. Jesus understood that. That's why the Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. See, because only the Holy Spirit can lead you into your suffering. Only the Holy Spirit can lead you into your desert because you would run the opposite way. No, I don't want to get rejected one more time. I don't, want to get, I don't want to get fired one more time. I don't want to get sat down one more time. Hey, Joseph got sat down like three, four times and ended up becoming the most powerful ruler in all the world at that, mo at that point in time. So if that's going to make me the most powerful ruler, gee whiz, sit me down again. Rejection. The feeling that we are unlovable, unacceptable, and less than others because the, because the human sense of worth comes from being loved. This is, this is a very difficult thing. Sometimes we complicate this thing much more than it should be complicated. This is one of the main things you and me complicate. Rejection. How many know the reality of racism is about acceptance and rejection. Rejection is a powerful thing. 
Why? Because when you feel loved, when someone loves you, see, God made us so that when we're infants and when we're babies and when we're children and when we're being brought up, we're, we're, we're at that when we're when we're very little, four years old, five years old, we can't see through the eyes of the Lord yet. So we see through the eyes of our parents. And when they love us, we feel we are lovable. We feel we have worth. We feel we have value. So so what happens is when you understand your worth, you're confident. You're confident to speak to others. Confident to introduce yourself. Confident to make friends. Confident to express yourself. But when you weren't loved that way, sometimes there's an internal struggle because inside of yourself, you're not confident. You feel less. You feel like you're not worth it. You constantly compare yourselves to others because you wonder how they're able to do what's difficult for you to do. And that's why God is saying, look at me like you look in a mirror. Look at me beholding him as if looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into the same image. He, God is saying, listen, stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at others. Look at me and I will show you your worth. I will show you that, that, that you are different. You are special. Which is why when you get in the presence of God, you feel like he loves you more than he loves everyone else. Those of us, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is a joke for the intimate. Those of us that are intimate with the Lord, we're here in this room thinking, yeah, but God loves me more. I'm a little more special. That's how everyone that is intimate with God feels. Why? Because it's true. God loves us all the same amount, but he, all, he loves us all differently. Because I cannot replace Devin. I cannot replace Sandra. I cannot, if I never sin again for the rest of my life, I cannot fill the space of God's heart that you're meant to fill. I can't. He will still call your name. He will leave me behind to go after you. I am not you. I cannot replace you. Nobody can replace you. God doesn't put men and women of God here so that you can clap and applaud them. I said this last time I preached. He puts them here to provoke who you are for you to recognize I am that. Jesus is the only cure for rejection. When we feel rejected, we look for love in the wrong places. I'm going to go on. John chapter 4, 7 to 14. A woman of Samaria came to drink water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask, for a, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Hold on. That's an example of the rejection of racism. She was already feeling rejected. She had an issue with rejection. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're both confused. Move on. <laughs> 11. The woman said to him, sir, no, go back. <laughs> Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank it for himself? Religion. She was answering with religion. Move on. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I want to go back, go back to about eight. Where he starts to give her the word of knowledge. Okay, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it? Well, I don't know where it is, but somewhere in there, he says, you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. 17, go to 417. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. Um, I heard a woman of God on this altar say, she had five husbands, the sixth one she was in sin with, because six represents sin. And Jesus was about to be the seventh, which completes you. Seven is the number for perfection. So he was basically saying, you've been married to five different guys. Hello? Looking for love in the wrong places. Why was he at a well with her? Because in order to get water from a well, you have to walk far at least a block, hello, when it's hot, you got to get a bucket, put that thing on a rope, go with the rope, and get the water, and then bring it up with the rope, and then if you drink it, by that time, you need to put the bucket back in the water and do it all over again, so you're already thirsting when you need to get more water. In other words, he was saying, this is what it's like when you're looking for love on your own. You put work in it, you, you exert energy, and once you get the sex, once you get the drug, once you get that car that you thought once you had that you would be raw, once you get it, all of a sudden you're thirsty again and you need to go out and you need to get something else. And he was saying, wait a second, I'll give you a fountain that springs up from the inside of you, outside of you, so you don't even have to work. It's going to continually, continually, continually satisfy you. He realized she had a problem with rejection. And only he is the answer. I had a problem with rejection. I had low self-esteem. I wanted to die. I hated the person I saw in the mirror. I thought I was worth nothing. But when God filled me with his love, the day I remember the day someone gave me uh, 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 some Christian rock. I didn't know it was worship. They were setting me up. I put the thing on and I couldn't stop praying and, and worshiping and crying for over an hour. And when I discovered that I could have that love, that I could experience that on my own, I never stopped. I held on to his love because, because, because I felt so rejected. I had never felt that love. That's the love that I desperately wanted. And because of that, he gave me self-esteem. He gave me revelation. He gave me understanding. Everywhere I would go, people would prophesy my purpose to me. Everywhere I would go. Why? Because he was putting identity in me so that it came to a point that it didn't matter what people thought of me. It didn't matter to me if people laughed at me. It didn't matter if they rejected me. And they did reject me. There were times I would sit at a table and all the leaders would get up and leave and go to another table before the Lord I tell you this I know what rejection is but I also know what it is to feel so accepted to have a spring of, of, of living water flow up from your belly that it just doesn't affect you because because he continues to give you identity he gives you revelation he gives you he gives you knowledge he gives you love he gives you peace he gives you joy and it doesn't affect you anymore As far as I know, when we're thirsty, we get a cup, we drink, and the liquid goes in us. 
but he was guaranteeing satisfying your thirst so much, he said, it's going to come out from the inside of you out. In other words, you're going to have so much for yourself, it's going to overflow for others. But there are people, there are people that have experienced, there are some of you here that have never experienced that fountain of living water and you're definitely going to have an encounter today with that fountain of living water. But there are some of you, hello, there are some of you, like God told the Jews, you have traded my fountain of living water for broken wells. There are some of you that have gone back to competition, gone back to wanting a title, gone back to you, 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 looking at, at comparing your anointing, using the things of God like you used to use it in the world and having to work and strive and exert your energy to feel like you're worth something because you're always comparing yourself with someone else when God is saying, come back to the fountain of living water that will speak to you about your greatness, that that will reveal your greatness, that will reveal your worth, that will reveal the supernatural version of yourself. Come back. Amen. Discouragement. Discouragement happens when you lose your vision and you feel stuck in a situation. Let's start with Hebrews 12 2. Oh, you were fast last time. Should I do my Bible? Okay. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Someone say shame. shame. Say it again, shame. shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to repeat that. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What does that mean? Please leave it there. What does that mean? He endured torture. He, what was the cross? Torture. He hung naked in public. Has anyone ever felt ashamed? Everybody knew your mess? Hello? Your mess was hung dry uh, uh, in public? On uh, 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 social media? Maybe you're one of the people that got whooped on Worldstar? <laughs> he endured the suffering he despised the shame. In other words, this wasn't easy for him, but for the joy that was set before him. We're going to go back to that because there's revelation there. We're going to go back to that right now. But I want to compare Elijah and David. I want to see how Elijah dealt with discouragement. Let's go to 1 Kings 19, 1-9. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. That's, they got to make a, a movie out of that. Things raw. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So Jezebel was threatening Elijah because he killed the false prophets. So she's like, I'm going to do the same to you. And, and, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. Leave that there. Leave that there. Go back. Okay. He got so discouraged. See, this also happens when you feel controlled and manipulated by someone. See, the spirit of Jezebel will bring you to that place of deep discouragement where you'll want to quit. Well, you, you'll, you'll want to throw in the towel because you'll say, you know what? I'm, this is the same thing. It's always the same thing. And what, look what he said there. I am no better than my father's. You see, what happens is when you're discouraged and you give into it, you start repeating the devil's lies out of your own mouth. Elijah was so great that his spirit today on, in 2017 is still making war against the devil while he's chilling in heaven. Some of you will catch it, some of you won't. The spirit of Elijah is an anointing that's still moving on earth. What do you mean? Isn't it the Holy Spirit? Yes, but the Holy Spirit merges with the price a man or a woman pay, pays and it becomes DNA in the spirit. So not only was Elijah great, hello, Elijah was so great <laughs> that he represents all of the prophets of the Old Testament. But right here he's saying, I'm no better than my father's. Because he was repeating the lies of the devil out of his own mouth. He was in such a discouraged state that he couldn't see. Because why? Because he had just done extreme damage to the kingdom of hell. Sometimes the worst attacks come after your greatest victories. Hello? Right before the harvest, the enemy knows I don't have a lot of time. I can't stop the harvest, but I can make them leave before it comes. He said, take my life. He was suicidal. He didn't want to live anymore because, because he lost vision. Continue. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Seven. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Eight. So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of the food 40 days, 40 nights, as for Horeb, the mountain of God. Continue. And there he went into a cave. Where? in a cave and spent the night in that place and behold the word of the Lord came to him and said to him what are you doing here Elijah in other words God was saying Elijah why are you hiding in this cave when I've anointed you to change the world Elijah you just shook the kingdom of hell and you're hiding in a cave he didn't want him in that cave, and that's what we do. A lot of us, when we get discouraged, when we lose vision, hello, when we feel stuck, when we feel there's no way out, when we no longer see the reward, that's why the Bible says you must believe that he is, and you got to believe he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When you start believing there's no resurrection, that it's all, all death and there's no resurrection, every cross has its resurrection. When you start to think that there's no way out, there's no breakthrough, and you start to believe the lie of the enemy, and all you can see is desert, and you no longer can see the promised land, see, that's, that's when you you go into a cave and that's what a lot of us here have done even though you're still coming to church you don't want to open a house of peace you don't want to be in the streets evangelizing you don't want to be fasting and praying because you're concerned that you're going to get attacked and you went into a cave and the reason you went into a cave is because you did damage to hell in the first place let's see the difference with Elijah and David 
David, Psalm 27, the whole chapter. <laughs> the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes. Does anyone have enemies? My enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may arise against me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Yehoah, go back to that one. Go back to that one. See, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Stay there for a moment. David had a revelation that the presence of God is a hiding place. That when you're there, the enemy can't find you because you don't sound like him. You don't look like him. He can't detect you anymore. See, that's why Jesus said in Jerusalem, he said, oh, he stood on a hill and he looked over Jerusalem, the Bible says, and he said, oh, Jerusalem, how long have I desired to hide you under my wing like a hen does her chicks? David had this revelation. He knew the presence of God is a hiding place. Hello. This is the difference between David and Elijah. Elijah ran into a cave, but to David, the presence of God was his cave. I just gave you the recipe how to succeed in the spirit. He was a worshiper. He would lay himself down. He wasn't afraid of his own weakness. Hello, if you can't bring your weakness, if you can't confess your weakness. Why do you think you always see more women serving God than men? Sometimes men are way more afraid than the women are. They, some of them are looking at me with that prideful face. That's what you're afraid of. You're afraid of losing that prideful face. You're afraid of losing your little swag. When most of you were born and raised here in Kendall. With your parents paying for your thug gear. You're afraid, you're afraid to lose your little prideful spot. That's why the Bible says six things the Lord hates, seven things are an abomination, and one of them is a proud look. The main one that's getting deceived is you. Because if you can never be weak in God, you will never be strong in God. It will always be a facade. It will always be a mask. You can never be a lion if you don't, know, you don't learn how to be a lamb. Jesus was a lamb of sacrifice in private with the Father, and he was a roaring lion in public in front of his enemies. That's why David never had to try, try to act like a leader. He never tried to act like a king. The Bible says that he walked among the people, meaning he walked like he was common. His wife was angry that he danced to the point that he was in his underwear, meaning what? He made himself look like a fool, but not just that. Every king had to wear specific colors so that everybody knew they were a king. He took them things off because he understood the king was God, not him.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you something else. Yeah, but you tell me, yeah, but David fell. But when David fell, he already had accomplished having the throne that never ends, which means that the Messiah was going to come through his bloodline. So when he fell, it was revenge, not defeat. There is nothing more violent than a weakling. <laughs> what the world calls weakness, the Lord calls strength. Those that deal with depression are often very emotional people. Hello. They're often sensitive people. They're often people that are sentimental, that hold memories in their heart, that love with all their heart. When, listen, you can't get brokenhearted if you don't feel. And so the enemy, so the enemy wants you to think it's a bad thing. So when we were in the world, I'm included, we would harden our hearts. And that's why the Bible says he gives us a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. But when you're a sensitive person, hello, you are even, you are the greatest candidate for the presence of God. I remember when I got saved, I would feel joy that made no sense. And every time they would lay hands, I would get drunk and high to the point that they would have to drag me to the back. And I asked God one time, I said, God, you know, of course, there's always people that think you're making it up. And I said, God, why, why, why do you do this? And the Lord showed me because of the measure that the devil made you depressed. Because of that measure, I give you joy. You know why God wants you to obey him? He wants revenge on what Satan did to you. But he can't do it until you obey him. You got to get on his side for him to fight for you. You got to be in his jurisdiction for him to have the authority to answer what the devil did to your mother. To answer what the devil did to your father. To answer what the devil did to your brother. I saw my father die of AIDS. And that's one of the reasons I'll never go to the world. Because my enemy is not a human. It's not flesh and blood. My enemy is the devil. And I know every time I obey God, the Lord has more legal right to get revenge. The Lord still wants revenge for the things you forgot. Exactly. <clears throat> Let's continue. Where were we? Oh, may, may the Lord bless you. For he shall hide me in his pavilion. Wow. In the secret place. It's a secret. In the secret place. No, it really is. Of his tabernacle. Which is why, excuse me, hold that there. Which is why when you are hungry for God and the worship music is playing, there's a secret world you get pulled into while other, while other people are answering texts. Like I heard a pastor say, God is the only one that can expose himself publicly and still keep his secrets. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. Lord, hide me in your secret place. He shall set me on high upon a rock. Continue, six. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. Someone say joy. In his tabernacle, I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Continue. Oh, oh, hear, oh Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Hold that there. He was so confident he would tell the Lord, answer me. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Eight. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. See, David knew how to make God show up. David knew God cannot resist weakness. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because when you're poor in spirit and you say, God, I need you. I don't have my God. I don't have friends I can trust. I, don't, I can't trust myself. I need you. See, when you're in that place, you're wiser than you have ever been. But when you think that you have knowledge, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. But when you say, God, I need you, God cannot resist a broken and contrite spirit. That's what the word of God says. He doesn't know how to resist someone that cries out to him. But what's happening? A lot of us think we're strong. A lot of us think we're okay when we're very far from okay. And that's why discouragement sets in. Because you've lost vision. Continue. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. <laughs> he knew, he said, when the people I love the most reject me. The people whose opinion matter the most to me reject me. You won't reject me. These are not words on a page. Hello? Hello? This isn't a good screensaver. This is a reality. And God wants to transfer you to the fake reality that you have been living to the real one. This is a reality that you need to know. A reality of feeling so much love that you feel that you could die in that moment and you'll be okay. A reality you could never feel lonely. <laughs> when you feel a person living inside of you. And even though you don't see him, you feel him. And even if you don't hear his voice, somehow you know what he's saying. If you don't know what I'm saying, you cannot leave this place without experiencing him. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Continue. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. He realized... I can't defeat my enemies. This isn't about, about me being hard enough to defeat my enemies. I can't, I, can't, I can't do this. I need you. I'm losing my heart. I'm losing who I am. I need you to step in. Teach me your way. See, 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 he already had written Psalms that change. See, this is Psalm 27. In Psalm 22, it, there's a more accurate description of Jesus' crucifixion than even in the New Testament. He, a thousand years before Jesus was born, he saw him crucified. Yet, yet chapters later, he's still acting like he doesn't know anything. Asking God, teach me how to walk in your ways. Because when you're hungry, when you're hungry, even what you had of God, what you had of God before, it impacted you so much. It touched you so so much that you know there's more of him and you want more of him and what he did yesterday is not good enough for today you're not going to look just for the blessing or for his hands or for money or for a nice house because you know that God is real and his spirit is pouring out somewhere and you don't want to miss out on the next experience or the next encounter with God continue do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries 
for false witnesses have risen up against me. Has anybody ever had false witnesses? People gossip and say things about you that isn't true. And such as breathe out violence. Continue. I would have lost heart. Sound familiar? Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Continue. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And now I'm going to go back. I'm almost done. And now I'm going to go back to what Jesus said. When he said, he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. The thing that gave him the strength to deal with the shame, the public humiliation, was that the Father had showed him his end from his beginning. The Father had showed him his purpose. And the Father showed him the reward. So while he was going through the worst suffering, he was seeing the resurrection. He was seeing the outcome. He wasn't seeing the pain. He knew this is just for a moment. Very soon I'm going to be enjoying the breakthrough. And once the breakthrough comes, you forget the pain. Once the anointing, the, the promotion, the harvest comes, you don't remember the pain anymore. You only have the strength of what you went through. You're not hearing what I'm saying. See, the word of God says the joy of the Lord is our strength, is my strength. It's talking about that joy. Hebrews 12, 2. For the joy that is set before me. The vision that God gives you. That's why the word of God says keep your eyes upon Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. So that you will continually see where he is taking you. See, Jesus never lost strength. He was rejected. He was treated badly. The Bible says that he was a man of many sorrows. Has anyone felt like a man or a woman of many sorrows? I have felt that way before. The Bible says he was acquainted with grief. And the, but the Bible says that he endured because he saw you and me. He saw the end. He saw the outcome. And it made him a, such a ferocious lion. He never denied his death. He said, for this very reason I was born. He was never intimidated. Even as he was beaten and bloody and he stood before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate saw a beaten man. But he was somehow intimidated by him. He always held others up. Even though they always rejected him. Even his most reliable disciple Peter. He said, can't you just stay? up and pray for an hour and he was alone he had to carry the cross alone the only moment he lost strength is when the father turned his face from him and he said Lord why have you forsaken me that's when discouragement comes when you turn your eyes from the father when you can no longer see your purpose when you when you when you forget the reason you agreed to suffer in the first place. Hello? When you forget that you have a greatness that nobody can replace. When you forget the reality of the consequences of what could happen to your family if you leave God. 
when your eyes come off of the reward, when you can no longer see the resurrection, when you can no longer see it, you, you, you lose strength, you lose heart. But when you keep your eyes on the Lord, see the Lord tonight is going to give you an encounter with him. He's going to remind you, hello, about why you committed in the first place. He's going to bring you back to the moment that you said, God, take it all. And if you've never been there, he's going to bring you there tonight because he's going to give you a vision and you're going to understand why you were born you're going to understand why you're breathing air you're going to understand why you're alive that it's worth it the suffering is worth it the trials are worth it the persecution the rejection it's worth it because of where he's taking you I'm going to end with John 12, 3 to 8. And then we're going to minister. Let's hold that there for a moment. You see, when you suffered, when you've been rejected, maybe some of you even have seen death. When you go through stuff and you have suffered and you have endured, you appreciate the love of God. And when you have an encounter with the love of God, you become desperate. You become desperate. You see, Mary was so desperate, not even Jesus' disciples could understand it. She was used to public humiliation. She was used to public rejection. She was used to being used like a piece of, a piece of thing, a rag. So when someone came and loved her for real, <laughs> she said, I don't have any reputation anyways. I don't need my reputation. I don't need my fame. I, I don't need popularity because I'm no one. And you see, in the kingdom, although in the world she was the weakest, the most shameful, the most looked down upon, the most rejected in the kingdom, she was the most powerful. <laughs> Jesus even rebuked John and Peter, his closest disciples. He said, when I came in, you didn't even give me a kiss. And she hasn't stopped worshiping me. See, because when you're, when, 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 when you're desperate, if you're here and you have been depressed, when you have an encounter with that love, you will hold on to that love like nothing you have ever held on to before. And God will do with you what he cannot do with others. I don't know if anyone is hearing with me right now. When you're desperate, God will do with you what he cannot do to the rich man that was too blessed and said, nah, I'm okay. See, when you're desperate, God cannot resist you. God doesn't know how to say no. When you say, God, I don't have the answers. I don't know how to do this. I messed up. People treat me bad. Like David. Look at his example. One of the most famous kings in the Bible. Every king after David, God would say, you're not like my servant David. And what made David great? He never stopped being that little kid shepherding sheep, being a shepherd of sheep. It never went to his head. Why? Because he was desperate. He needed a friend. He needed that love and there was nothing greater. If you're here today and you need that love, 
your friends have rejected you. Maybe you're like I was. Maybe you're like I was. That I, even, I couldn't even trust my own best friend. I couldn't even trust my own friends. I couldn't trust those that I thought. I thought love was a game. Everybody was wearing a mask. Everybody was fake. Let me tell you, there's one love that won't be fake. And he's real. And this is not a story. This is not the greatest story ever told. This is the greatest reality that ever manifested. God is going gonna, is gonna to manifest that love here tonight for you. I want to I finish. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. Someone say costly. Anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. The house was filled with the presence. Continue. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? And given to the poor see what was Judas doing Judas had a hardened heart and he wanted to feel like he was better than others to have a sense of worth instead of humbling himself and receiving the love of God because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it continue but Jesus said let her alone she has kept this for the day of my burial Continue. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. I want to say this has nothing to do with whether you are rich or poor. Because you could be, be rich and be poor in the spirit and God will not resist you. I want to make two callings. First, I want to ask if there's anyone here. There's two callings I want to make. I want to make one concerning depression. If there's anyone here that you have felt like you don't have purpose, like you're worthless, you felt the way I felt, like you don't have value, like people reject you, and you need to know your worth through the eyes of God. I want you to come to the front come to the front don't be afraid I'm the first one here I used to wake up crying I would cry for no reason I desperately wanted to die but God had a purpose I would have never imagined hello and God has used me in ways I would have never imagined do you hear what I'm saying God is gonna use you in ways you could never imagine God wants to compete with your dreams and he's going to win.